You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. I am your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. And I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. I am the dramatic one. Yes. Yes. Tell them, tell them what this is. This is episode 51 of The Melting Podcast. 51. 51. 51 real episodes. As opposed to 51 fake episodes? Yeah. Like well, those, like guess, those yeah. botched recipes you keep insisting on doing. Yeah, they're funny. That's what you get for disappearing and leaving me a mic. I had to go get cake for the birthday bash. Birthday, 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 birthday okay, bash. Okay, it's over, it's over. Oh. It's over. Oh. We're, we're, we've moved on. Wait. It's October. Wait. That means end of the month. Birthday, 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 birthday bash. No, this is still a birthday bath, bash month. It's, birthday bash month. Mine. It's not the end of October yet. It will be. It will be. It will be. Okay. Halloween. Halloween is coming. Halloween is my birthday. Everybody has to tell me happy birthday on Halloween. Everybody tell You know Aaron. what I want for my birthday? I want them to send us stuff. Uh, we'll get there. Oh, oh, right. Sorry. Okay. Okay. But for now. Episode 51. Episode 51. What oh. have we got first? Got- I'm going to interrupt you the whole time. We have this is fun. <laughs> you missed me so much. Sure. All those peaceful recording sessions were no fun. Yeah, sure. Okay, you okay. can talk now. Okay. How about... I changed my mind. Son of a bitch. Don't call yourself names. Or your mom. Oh, wait, that was the wrong finger. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see that. But I can. Hello, middle finger. How about for this episode... I talk. Go for it. What are we doing? Having fun. We're supposed to be you know, presenting content. Birthday, 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 birthday bash. I wish no? I, I wish I had a sock to shove in your mouth right now. Ew. Do you want the sock? No. Okay. I want cake. Okay. So anyway, what we have today is something a that's... crazy some, errand. Something that... Someone has already sent to us. Ooh. How's that sound? Fun. How about a nice main ingredient story? I like those. Okay. Then just sit here quietly. Okay. Quietly. Okay. No, don't say okay. Just... Okay. Bon appetit. That's my line. The Long Weekend by Heath Howell. Heavens to Betsy Oliver. Are you just going to stand there and do nothing while this overgrown meatloaf continues this chauvinistic charade? We haven't even left the ground yet, and you've already checked out for the night, have you? Oliver fumbled to quickly gather his best defense, but failed miserably to stand up for his poor old bitch of a mother. You're not going to say anything then? Ugh! Typical. Oliver, did you see that man hit me with his bag? I've never been treated with such disrespect. It's like I wasn't even here, with his crinkled shirt and putrid smell. He looks like he's been living under a bridge. What is this world coming to? I bet he got an extra pat down coming through security. On and on she went. 
Gretchen Mondrian had become progressively less friendly over the years, especially to men. She thought they should croon for her. In her mind, she was right perfect. And although she was a fairly nice-looking woman, she had not been intimate with a man since Oliver's father left her some forty years ago. When he couldn't avoid her, Oliver involuntarily became an instrument of manipulation, tasked to defend the sociopathic woman. When she was around, he couldn't seem to stand up for himself against her. He didn't want to offend her by putting her in her place. Apparently, no one did. She cast some sort of spell on people that allowed her to act like this. Oliver had heard it all before. Although he wanted desperately to help her, he just didn't have the energy anymore. In her typical tone, Gretchen spoke. Oliver, you will go back there and tell that man he owes me an apology. I'll stand for nothing less. Really? You want me to go ask this guy to apologize to you? Oliver replied, exhausted with his mother's demands. He squeezed laboriously between the seat in front of them and his mother's non-negotiable requirement for an aisle seat. Instead of getting up and out of the way to accommodate Oliver's requirement to move into the aisle, she merely sat there with hateful scorn emanating from her furrowed brow, as though her burdensome task of delegating a defense was the worst of the evening's excruciating tasks. Once extradited from row seven, Oliver collected the divine decency that joined him while he was not in the throes of his mother, and slowly sauntered back to row 28, where the perpetrator was just settling into his seat by the window. As Oliver approached, the man silently welcomed him with a gesture to have a seat. No carry-on, eh? Excuse me? replied Oliver. You got no carry-on bags? repeated the man. Oliver thought, What business of that is his, and... Wait, why the hell did I sit down? Instead of arguing, Oliver just replied, Yeah. Gum? asked the gentleman. No thanks, resounded Oliver. No, really, I must insist. A young man gave this to me in the airport and told me to pay it forward. So unless you're allergic to Wrigley's double mint chewing gum, this is my opportunity to make that happen. Come on. And no, I'm not saying your breath stinks, but I know mine does. Oliver was just sincerely overwhelmed by this man's unreserved generosity. He'd been traveling the three-day weekend without a break from his mother. He almost didn't know how to accept a pleasantry such as this. To Oliver's own surprise, he reached out his hand and fumbled to separate out one stick of gum from the rest. As he began to retract the stick, the man piped up, Not that one! which startled Oliver as he quickly met eyes with the man and retracted his empty hand. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. You take however many of any pieces you choose. You kind of seem tense. Not a fan of airplanes? I'm... Uh, no. I mean, yes, I mean... No, I don't mind airplanes. Oliver struggled momentarily to join this guy on some sort of level playing field. Having been subjected to the role of servant boy to his mother all weekend, he felt refreshed to speak to someone who wasn't completely self-absorbed. He unwrapped his gum, folded it up into a little roll, and slyly placed it in his mouth. The man sat proudly and confidently, yet calm and collected. He had a firm build and dark, almost black hair that seemed a bit greasy and disheveled. His steel-blue eyes looked like they could pierce right through the fuselage of the cabin if need be but on the other hand displayed a rare vibrancy and kindness.
He did carry a slight odor, but nothing near Gretchen's overstatement. What Oliver assumed was typically a five o'clock shadow had grown into an unkempt beard. His shirt belonged to a tuxedo and was overworn, wrinkled. His sleeves were rolled up and showed a faint spill on the right arm, possibly red wine, emerging from the folds. His left came across his body with the polite offering to shake hands. Rockland. My friends call me Rock. Uh, hi. I'm Oliver. A hint of anxiety welled up in Oliver's stomach as he shook the man's hand. He felt the neediness of his mother and knew her patience must be growing thin with his absence. But the man sitting next to him intrigued Oliver. He had spent plenty of time with his mother this weekend, and she had nowhere near the affable disposition that Rock had. Defiantly, he decided to ignore this feeling, as well as the prescribed requirement to reprimand this overgrown meatloaf for the chauvinistic charade that had so vagrantly accosted his mother only moments earlier. Where do you get a name like Rockland? I often get asked that, and I'm not really sure where it came from. Well, obviously your parents would know, right? Yeah, I believed they would. But unfortunately they passed away long ago. Oh no. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't mean to bring it up. Oliver winced. It's completely fine, Rock noted. You wouldn't have known. I've come to terms with it. They died when I was seven, together in a plane crash in Alaska while on a fishing trip. Gosh, that's horrible. And thanks for bringing it up right before takeoff, Oliver replied. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. It doesn't bother me, and I forget that some people hate to fly. Rock stated as Oliver giggled. <laughs> I grew up with wonderful parents, Rock continued, who really took great care of me. Of course, they are my foster parents, but I don't think of them that way. I've experienced many great things as a result of them. I still feel the void of my biological parents because nothing can replace that. But I really admire the respect I was shown by my mom and dad. Well, that's quite the interesting introduction, Oliver said. So it's Oliver, you say? Rock confirmed. Yes, he nodded. Oliver, are you headed to Chicago? Or do you have a connector somewhere else? No, Chicago is our destination. My mother and I have been here in Jacksonville looking for a nursing home for her. Only by the grace of God did we find something that she would agree to. She's been set on hiring a live-in nurse and servant, but she has no money, and I just can't afford all that. How old is she? Rock interrupted. She's 84. Oliver said with pause, as though to ask if there was a point to the question. Rock just nodded and resumed listening. And she just can't get around like she used to. See, she had a stroke about four months ago, and would really like to deny it. She's been living with me since, and I cannot stand it anymore. So why a home in Jacksonville and not Chicago? Rock asked. Well, that's... Just about as far away from me as I can get her, Oliver noted, sparking <laughs> genuine laughter from Rock. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But seriously, we're from Jacksonville originally, and she has some friends there at Edgewood Nursing Center, Oliver replied. So is she on this flight with you? Why aren't you sitting with her? Rock asked. 
That's actually the funny part of this story. See, this isn't my seat. I was sitting with her. She's up there a ways. Can you see the green and gray scarf popping up over the seat way up there? That's my mother. Oliver pointed out. Oh no! Rock exclaimed. That's the lady I bumped into with my bag a minute ago. I felt so bad. You have to tell her I'm very sorry. The beautiful little baby across the aisle from her distracted me. And I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. I'm so sorry. She didn't look up, so she didn't see me apologize. Rock exclaimed apologetically. Yeah, and so that's actually the reason I came back here. Oliver noted. You see, how do I put this? My mother is kind of a... Well, she's grown to be a total bitch in her old age. Rock jumped back a bit taken by what seemed like flagrant disregard for his own mother. Don't you think you're being a little harsh? I mean, that is your mother, Oliver. Just bear with me here, Oliver responded. So you bumped into her, and she smiled like nothing bothered her like she always does. Then she turns to me while I'm about to start reading my book, and accuses me of not standing up for her. She referred to you as, and I quote, an overgrown meatloaf, in a chauvinistic charade. She remarked on your putrid smell and your crinkled shirt. She demanded that I come back here and tell you to go apologize to her. Oh my goodness. Rock gasped. Gosh, it really was just an accident. Man, see, that's what I'm saying. She's become so detached from the world that her capacity for common decency has all but evaded her. Oliver resounded. Okay, well, I'll certainly give her a proper apology. Rock replied, ready to file up to the front of the plane. You know. Oliver spoke up, blocking Rock from exiting the row. Ever since I sat down here, I've had this unfamiliar feeling of relief. It's like you are so the opposite of her. You're so inviting, and meeting you has really made this trip worth something. I'm not sure why. I've spent so much time with my mother over the past four months that I've just shut down because she is so terribly demanding and devoid of any decency toward other people. I mean, I know she's old. And she should deserve respect, but it's really difficult. She honestly doesn't deserve respect the way she acts. So I think it's great that you want to apologize, but can you wait? If you go apologize right now, I'll have to sit back down with her and I'm just not ready to go back up there yet. Can we just continue our conversation? Although they both detected a slight residue of guilt, each for different reasons, Oliver made the final say. He felt her disrespect had gone on too far, and maybe it was time for Gretchen to suffer a little uncertainty. He was sure she would be sending a flight attendant his way very soon anyway. Until then, they could carry on their conversation. In that moment... Oliver was proud of himself. He stood up for himself, and he was happy that his new friend was going along with it. He let his mind drift to a time when Gretchen would be living in her new home. He fantasized about all the quiet time that he'd have when things were back to normal. The flight attendants began divulging their knowledge regarding the location of all emergency exits, seatbelt function, and the brief potential for an emergency water landing. 
It was a bit of a struggle for Oliver to not fold and move back up to his seat next to his mother. He wanted to go because he thought the longer he waited, the more bullshit he would have to put up with. Regardless, he held his place. He felt a tight bond growing with his new friend. Once the pre-flight briefing was complete, Oliver turned to Rock with intent to lead the conversation in a different direction. So what's your story, Rock? What do you do for a living? Well, I want to get back to what's going on between you and your mother, but I'll give you a little background first. I got my master's in psychology from Drexel, Rock continued. Great school, by the way. And I worked at a prison for a few years, helping inmates try to find a new path in life. The work there was not as rewarding as I thought it would be, but I knew I had to pay my dues somehow. I had been working at the prison about three years when I randomly crossed paths with an old college buddy I hadn't seen in a while. Long story short, he introduced me to life coaching. After recognizing my disdain for inmate counseling, he presented the idea that I could instead help already successful people become even more successful and maybe even find happiness in the process. I got into that and have been doing it ever since. I've worked with some pretty big names, but most prefer I keep the relationship confidential. So I totally understand where you were coming from with your mother. It makes me wonder if hitting her with my bag wasn't meant to be. I'm not tooting my own horn here, but you've just made a big breakthrough by holding your position here. What do you think made you do that? Just think about that question, but answer this one. Are you typically an intuitive person, Oliver? Um, typically, yes, Oliver replied. Normally, I have a sense of what people are thinking. Tell me about it, replied Rock. Okay, well, I think it has to do with being open-minded and paying attention to the smallest details. You really have to practice listening to people with not only your ears, but with your eyes as well. Actions speak louder than words, you know. However, since I've been taking care of my mother, it's something that has gone a bit dim. It's like all her negativity just sucks the inspiration out of me. She's exhausting. Although I only try to give her a little bit of my time when I'm physically with her, it's like she occupies my mind even when I'm at work. She is so damn negative and needy and self-centered that I try to block her out most of the day until I get home. I try not to hear her in my head, but haven't had any relief over the past four months. Now, though, I'm feeling very relieved. It's nice to have someone to talk to. Rock laughed. <laughs> I guess I'm good at what I do then. But you definitely need to get the hell away from her. You know that. You are absolutely right, replied Oliver. It's a pleasure to meet you, Rock. Just think, I came back here to tell you off, and instead we've quickly become friends. The pleasure is all mine, said Rock. Oliver sat quietly with a tiny smile. He was filled with a certain sense of accomplishment. His spirits soared, like a sleeping limb that was finally getting some blood flow. Warmth was restored to his soul. The pilot came on over the loudspeaker to announce that they would be pushing back from the gate shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard Delta Airlines Flight 4376 nonstop service to Chicago. 
we are just about ready to push back. Our route looks pretty clear this evening, so we shouldn't encounter any turbulence. We'll be cruising at 34,000 feet, and we're set to arrive in Chicago at 7.22 p.m. Central Standard Time. Flight attendants will be about the cabin to assist you with anything you may need. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Thank you for choosing Delta. As much as Oliver wanted to ignore it, he had a weird feeling. Gretchen should be throwing a fit by now. Oh, well, he thought. Only a matter of time. Nevertheless, Oliver continued to celebrate his freedom, because he knew before long he'd be in the car on the way home hearing her bitching about something. So once again, he ignored that feeling of guilt and changed the subject. So, Rock. Oliver piped up, still wondering about Rock's appearance. He seemed like a well-to-do man, but if Oliver's mother was right about one thing, he looked as though he'd been sleeping under a bridge. What brought you to Jacksonville? Rock tilted his head back and rolled his eyes as to signal that there was a lengthy story behind it all. I've had a pretty interesting weekend. Rock began. I live in San Diego, but I've been in Miami. I was one of the groomsmen in a friend's wedding, so I was supposed to leave just after the reception. I had to get back to San Diego in time for a conference. I was supposed to teach a seminar. So I checked my bags, got my ticket, and boarded the plane. We took off and headed for a layover in Atlanta when the pilot came on the intercom and said we have been diverted to land at Jacksonville. Some mechanical issues, I guess they said. We landed, and as soon as we pulled off the runway, the plane stopped and we were ordered to make an emergency evacuation right there on the tarmac. A little unnerving. Gosh, that's weird. I sure hope you're not jinxing us with this story laughed Oliver. Trust me, man, I feel like I have exhausted the bad luck fairies over the last three days, so things have to turn around sometime, right? I sure hope you're right, agreed Oliver. So anyway, there we are, standing on the tarmac, waiting on a bus to come pick us up. I was still a little tipsy from the wedding reception and just wanted to sit. Mind you, I was supposed to be napping on a quick flight to Atlanta by now. Well, the bus finally arrived after about 15 minutes and took us back to the terminal. Everyone was in a hurry to get to the ticket desk so they could negotiate alternative travel plans. When I finally got to the desk, the ticket agents were scrambling. I told them I was going to San Diego and would prefer a direct flight, but they said that wasn't possible. There was some confusion behind the counter about whether I should be connecting in Atlanta or Houston. They finally agreed on Houston and asked to see my tickets and ID. But guess what? My wallet and phone were gone. Not in any pockets, and I didn't have a carry-on. I remembered having them both at the check-in in Miami, so it must have been on the plane or the bus. With all the help of the airline employees, I was still unable to find my wallet and phone that night. I couldn't get tickets. I couldn't rent a car. And I know no one in Jacksonville. So I've been living at this airport for the past 48 hours. Needless to say, I missed my seminar. It turns out my stuff was on the plane. Why it took them two days to find it, I don't know. So about two hours ago, I finally recovered my wallet and phone. I got some food and a ticket, and now here I am on my way home. It was such a miserable experience. 
That'll teach me to drink and fly. You know, Rock, Oliver said. I'm not sure whose weekend was worse, mine with my mother, or yours stuck in this airport. Did the airline compensate you for anything? Nope, Rock exclaimed. They said it was not their fault that I lost my stuff. The two men conversed back and forth as the plane began to taxi to the runway. Oliver was really happy to have met Rock and vice versa. There was an unspoken agreement that this meeting was driven by karma. They would stay in touch in the coming months. As Rock was going on about how much fun he'd had at the wedding, Oliver noticed a bit of commotion coming from the front of the plane. A couple people had gotten up and were moving away from their seats. He saw a flight attendant quickly pass by from the rear of the back, and the plane came to a halt on the taxiway. Oh, look. Here we go, Rock. I guarantee my mother has everything to do with this. Rock gasped. Should we go see what's going on? He asked. Don't worry, man, Oliver replied. I'll go up there, but let's meet in the terminal when we get off the plane. You can give her your apology, and we'll exchange numbers. Perfect. Okay, said Rock. Have a good flight. You too, Rock. With firm reluctance, Oliver got up out of his seat and headed to see what kind of crap she had started this time. As he moved closer, more people were exiting their seats. He noticed an unbearable odor growing stronger as he approached. It was the unmistakable smell of human feces. Everyone was holding their noses and the flight attendants were checking everyone in an effort to discover the source. As Oliver approached row 7, a flight attendant was bent over shaking his mother. She was asleep and not waking up. It was now obvious to Oliver that his mother had soiled herself in her sleep. He approached the flight attendant to tell her that this was his mother and he would try waking her up. Mother? Mother, wake up. You have to wake up. You've messed yourself, Oliver said. He did everything he knew to wake her, yet she did not respond. Her face was pale. The odor was so bad that the flight attendant had called on the cockpit to stop the plane on the taxiway. In the midst of Oliver's total embarrassment, it dawned on him to check her breathing. He placed his finger under her nose to find that she was indeed not breathing. He grew nervous and checked for a pulse. Nothing. He quickly turned to the flight attendant with a look of helplessness and asked if there was a doctor on board. The flight attendant spoke up across the cabin. One woman a few rows back stood up and moved towards them. I'm a nurse, she said, moving closer. She's unconscious and not breathing, Oliver said. I tried to check her pulse, but I don't know if I'm doing it right. Please, help. She won't wake up. Let's get her out of the seat and lay her in the aisle, the nurse began. She's not breathing. I'll start CPR. Please call an emergency team, the woman said as they unbuckled the seatbelt and laid Gretchen's limp body in the aisle. As they removed Gretchen from the seat, they revealed a huge mess in the seat underneath. The odor was unbearable. The seat was soaking wet and covered in shit. Oliver began to panic. This couldn't be happening. Upon learning of the situation, the captain decided to evacuate the plane. Although the passengers were trying to be considerate of the situation, most were quite relieved to be moving away from this terribly offensive odor. As the last of the passengers exited the plane, an ambulance showed up. The paramedics boarded the plane and carried her off and onto a stretcher on the tarmac. They worked on her body for about 20 minutes to no avail. Gretchen Mondrian was pronounced dead 
at 5.58 p.m. What the hell just happened? Oliver muttered. Less than 30 minutes ago, Oliver had been talking about how he couldn't stand his mother any longer, and then she just died. Amid the shock, he also felt surprisingly and overwhelmingly jubilant and relieved. Emotions poured forth as a mixture of excitement, confusion, guilt, and tears. It had been a hellacious weekend for both Oliver and Rock. A small break in the turmoil allowed for a wonderful friendship to arise. It was a friendship that would last for many years. As days and weeks went by after the funeral, Oliver and Rock talked over the phone once a week or so. Rock helped Oliver through the peculiarity of this particular situation. Oliver struggled with the moral dilemma. He wasn't sad, but he felt guilty. He should have been there with her in the last few moments. Maybe he could have helped. Maybe her last words could have been something other than a demand for apology. It may have been the only moment when she truly needed him, or needed anyone. Did she suffer? He often wondered. To think, amongst all 90 passengers on that plane, she really just died alone. Well, well, it was a good story, but it wasn't very fun. I'm, that was sad. Oliver's free now. Now I'm depressed. Freedom comes at a high cost. It sure does. I'm going to sit down now. Okay. Just sit down and be quiet, and I'll tell them about a promo, okay? Okay. We'll, we'll let someone else talk about their stuff for a minute. Okay. Okay. Introducing Archivos. The story mapping and development tool for today's storytellers. With Archivos, storytellers don't just document the characters, places, and events of their stories. They define the relationships between those story elements and then visualize those connections through unique story mapping interfaces like the living map, the timeline, and the story web. By giving storytellers the ability to see and interact with that network of story elements, Archivos helps ensure story comprehension and continuity, while providing a dramatic and engaging way for fans to explore the story worlds they love. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. Hey, Aaron. Yeah? Do you, do you hear that, that whistling sound? I do. That sounds like a, a, a kettle boiling. Well, that's because something's boiling my pot. Really? Are you really surprised? No, not at all. Why don't you tell them about the What Boils My Pot segment? So the What Boils My Pot segment is where I rant on and on, sometimes with AF's help, about something that is annoying. Something, a writing trope, a movie trope, 
basic literary things that are just dumb. Literary crimes. Literary crimes. Yeah. Yes. So, Very succinctly put. So when you're writing, don't do these things. Don't do these things. Unless you can do them well and you're doing them on purpose to be funny. Yeah. And sometimes don't even do it then. Yeah. So um, which thing that boils my pot are we going to be addressing today? Because there's a lot of them. I don't know how you're going to choose. Bad use of foreign languages, specifically Latin. Latin? Yeah. You know, mono y mono. That's Spanish. It's it's a <laughs> it's a Latin language. It's a romance, romance language. I know. Mono y mono, um, and like the alumnus alumni. Yeah, and... all of all of those moments when someone's trying to use another language to sound educated and ends up sounding like an idiot. Well, first of all, let let's address the the mono y mono. First of all, does anyone know what mono actually means? What what are they trying to say when they say it? It's a disease. Oh, not that mono. Oh God! Sorry, I had anyway, to, I, I just had to get back at her with, for a second. What they 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 think it's man to man. They think it means man to man, like combat, like like mono. Uh, what um, one of the ones that's coming to mind right now is men in tights. Men in tights. Mono ah uh, mono man to man. You and me. Yes. Yes. So they think it means a man to man, like a one on one fight. What it really means is hand to hand. Yeah. Mono is hand in Spanish. And this is a very, very common misconception. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see this in movies, in literature all the time. People using this mono a mono or mono e mono. Not only are they using the incorrect forms there, but they're also wrong in what it means. Um, yeah, it, it actually means hand to hand, which is also a form of combat. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in, in a sense, they've got it right. It just doesn't mean they keep using that word. I do not think it means what they think it means. Yeah. They go to another Carrie Elway's movie. Yeah. <laughs> my brain's just kind of stuck in that loop that's fine he's a nice guy yeah i think i don't know i've never met him but anyway um and the other one the alumnus alumni alumna i see this on uh vanity plates all the time but i've seen it in books before I, of course mm -hmm. i can't think of any right now but <laughs> there you go another mm -hmm. reference um but uh but no i i see it all the time like uh the the, the school that's right near where we mtsu yeah. I see the license plate. This is MTSU alumni. Well, <clears throat> exactly. Unless there's more than one of you in the car who graduated from MTSU, you're wrong. Alumnus is the singular, which is weird to people who speak English because English is stupid. And you think that the S means more than one. Mm -hmm. But alumni, you're saying I, I graduated. Alumni is the Latin on that. So... But no, alumni is what people think. I, I graduate. No, no. You're an alumnus. Alumnus. Or you. possibly alumna. Or alumna. If you want to go that route. But saying I am an alumni. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're an alumnus. Get it right. Please. It's kind of like the whole octopus, octopi thing, which is completely different because octopus is not Latin. That's Greek. The plural there mm -hmm. is octopoda. <laughs> yeah. Greek is weird. Yeah, it's got kind of like the cactus cacti thing, but yeah. So yeah, um, what other what other examples do we have? I mean, I've had to deal with using foreign languages in the the Deadly Studies books because Luke is from France. And but I, when you do that, don't you consult native speakers I, in order to get it correct? Whenever I get the opportunity, absolutely. Um, I have I have uh, spoken with um, someone who is a native German speaker. Um, not a native French speaker, but someone who does speak Parisian French fluently. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Spanish, and I've actually had to consult English speakers, mostly just in talking to myself. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm shooting for accuracy. Yep. Um, it's, so, it's so easy to do just a little bit of research. Another one is when people use IE, EG, and get them wrong. Yeah. So IE stands for that is in Latin or it, it est. est. Uh, it takes the place of the English phrase that is, meaning like, in other words, mm -hmm. such and such. That's yeah. what IE should be used for, but it's often used incorrectly in the place of EG, which means, for example, exempli gra gra gratia, gratia, exempli gratia, exempli gratia. That's the way I learned to pronounce Latin anyway. So yeah. I wasn't sure if I was it's, right on it's, that. It's a dead language. There were actually, we don't know the real pronunciation. So is, I, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so a lot of people will use IE when they're trying to say, for example, when mm -hmm. it, that's not what that means. Yeah. That means that is. It, it it can it's similar but enough of a difference that you're going to get dinged on that on a college English paper if yeah. you use it. You know that's the sort of thing that you should use uh, correctly if you're going to be using a Latin based uh, abbreviation or anything like that. Trying to sound intelligent, at least make sure you're using it correctly. Yeah, do your research, etc. I use that one correctly. Because et cetera translates to and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how to use that. Okay. I do want to throw in one example where a tropey bad movie used mano a mano poorly and called themselves on it. Mm-hmm. Billy Madison. Oh, God. Terrible movie. I love it. Terrible movie. Terrible good movie. But, you know, the, Adam Sandler's character challenges his rival to a, uh, you know, a challenge to inherit the company. Yeah. And he challenges him, mano a mano. And the other guy who was educated goes, what does that mean? And Billy Madison just looks at a picture and goes, you know what? It means an academic decathlon. <laughs> so he calls himself on it, but... That it, he doesn't know what it means. He's just repeating something he's heard. Yeah. And, and honestly, I really do think that's the problem with most, from what I know, English-speaking mm -hmm. writers, movie producers, all this, that, that tend to use this is it's just something they've heard and they know generally what it means, but not the literal translation. Because mm. mono e mono, mono a mono, however you're conjugating it for the particular usage, does mean a hand-to-hand -hand fight or a man one-on-one mm. -on -one fight. But they translate it as man-to-man -man when so, that's not what it means. So the spirit of it is correct, but the literal use of it yes, is not. Yes, the literal meaning is... So just... Just check yourself. The whole body versus one body part. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. Come on now. And that, my friends, is what boils my pot. Okay, well, I definitely feel better after ranting about stuff. Yeah, you look less... Because the, the, the story depressed me. You look less bubbly in a, in a bad way. You know, you're not foaming. I'm more bubbly in a good way. Yeah, you're not foaming so much. It's more and of I'm a And I'm also pleasant... not crying because of a sad story. Yeah, it's more of a pleasant carbonation. Carbonation. Yeah. Where where does that come from? Um, soda. Oh. And science. And science. Oh, science. Okay. Um, well, while you're over there sciencing. You know what science says? A lot of things. Laughter is the best medicine. So uh, I think we should make them laugh. I, th I think so as but well. But since you're here, I can't do any botched recipes. Thank God. So, um, so what's something else that might make them laugh? I'm going to think about that. What, what makes people laugh? Mad Libs? Or mystery meals. Mystery. Well, those are Mad Libs. Right. <laughs> Here's a mystery meal. Enjoy. 
Guess what time it is? 4.30? You're actually pretty close. It's 4.35. <laughs> no, it's a, good. it's a time for a mystery meal. How mysterious. Not really. Oh, okay. okay. You say so. Well, for those of you who have not listened to the mystery meals before, where have you been? Um, we've in the bathroom. You. Oh, well, welcome back. I hope everything came out all right. Um, mystery meals are where we take iconic scenes from classic literature and completely destroy them. By turning them into Mad Libs. With your help. Woohoo! Yes. Audience so, participation. So we've got me and we've got Aaron. Hopefully Thea will be around to read the next one. Yeah. But for now, it's just you and me. Oh, dear. And we have Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Shit. This is Chavert's death scene. So are you going to sing about stars then? No, this is the this is the tax version. Oh, right, right. So let's see what kind of uh, antics our fans got us up to, shall we? Javert dried the inflamed ink on the paper, juggled it like a letter, sealed it, wrote on the back, note for the janitor, <laughs> left it on the table, and quitted the post. Well, I guess if he's going to kill himself, then you need a janitor to clean up after <laughs> or something like that. Whatever. The glazed and grated door fell to behind him. Again, he traversed the rainbow factory, diagonally, <laughs> regained the quay, and returned with automatic precision to the very point which he had abandoned an eternity previously. Leaned on his tongues. Wait, more than one? <laughs> Damn, what a lost a woman kind. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> and found himself again in the same attitude on the same paving stone of the parapet. He did not appear to have stirred. The e-book was complete. <laughs> it was the sepulchral moment which follows 12.34 a.m. 12.35 a.m. Okay. A ceiling of clouds concealed the stars. Not a single light burned in the houses of the city. No one was gargling. <laughs> no one was gargling. Oh, right. All of the streets and quays which could be seen were deserted. Notre Dame and the towers of the courthouse seemed features of the night. A street lantern slapped the margin of the quay. <laughs> so somebody knocked it over? Yeah. That was rude. <laughs> the outlines of the bridges lay shapeless in the mist, one behind the other. Recent rains had liberated the river. Mm -hmm. That would actually make yeah, sense. Yeah, that works. The spot where Javert was leaning was, it will be remembered, situated precisely over the rapids of the Seine perpendicularly above the formidable spiral of whirlpools which loose and knot themselves again like an endless screw. <laughs> Javert... <laughs> endless screw. <laughs> Javert bent his finger webbing and gazed. <laughs> All was Brazilian. Hey! Nothing was to be distinguished. A sound of foam was audible. But the river <laughs> could not be deceived. Hey, river, what's over there? Ah, uh, I made you look. You never fall for that one. <laughs> At moments in that dizzy depth, a gleam of light appeared and undulated vaguely. Water possessing the power of taking light, no one knows whence, and converting it into a snake. The light, yes. the light mutilated, and all became indistinct once more. So, rainbows? Yeah. Immensity seemed thrown open there. What lay below was not blood. It was a clown shoe. Okay, that's some scary shit right there. <laughs> Freaking clowns. <laughs> the wall of the quay, abrupt, confused, mingled with the vapors, instantly concealed from sight, produced the effect of an escarpment of the infinite. Nothing was to be seen, but the hostile chill of the water and the stale odor of the red omelets could be felt. Ew, stale red omelets. 
A fierce breath rose from this abyss, the flood in the river, divined rather than perceived, the unsightly whispering of the waves, <laughs> the throbbing vastness of the arches of the bridge. The hyd- if your bridge is throbbing, <laughs> you've got a problem. The hydrated fall into that gloomy void. Into, yes, it's water. Of course into, it's hydrated. Into all that shadow was full of horror. Javert remained gloopy for several minutes. Only was played by Russell Crowe. Gazing at this opening of shadow, he considered the invisible with the fix, uh, fixity that resembled attention. <laughs> the water cooked. What? Someone's making pasta in the sand, I don't know. Minute rice. <laughs> All at once, he took off his fuzzy bunny slippers. <laughs> and placed them on the edge of the quay. What's Cooley doing there? I don't know. Apparently Javert is now Cooley. A moment later, a blasphemous, sedentary figure, which a belated passerby in the distance might have taken for a phantom, appeared catastrophic upon the parapet of the quay, bent over towards the Seine, then drew itself up again, and titillated straight down <laughs> into the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> a dull splash followed. And the shed... Splash. <laughs> Splash. <laughs> he had mood swings even till the end. Oh, man. And the shadow alone was in the secret of the convulsions of that obscure form which had disappeared beneath the antifreeze. Ah! <laughs> Where the clown shoe was. People are messed up. And it was not blood. It was not blood. It was There's clown- blood now. It was a clown shoe. <laughs> How titillating. How <laughs> titillating. titillated well i think i think we've given them enough content aaron what do you think i don't think it's ever enough content but maybe just for this one episode yeah yeah speaking of content just fyi send us stuff we we do need stuff pretty badly guys we i mean come on i had to write something yeah a couple (laughs) episodes ago but yeah so we are running dangerously low on stoke the fire stories but we might have a way to remedy that Oh. Well, prompt number 12, write a story featuring some kind of mystic cheese. I know, it's very sad. Prompt number 12 is now closed. Oh. That's okay, because we're making way for a new prompt. Oh, new prompts. I like those. But first, let's. why don't you tell them what prompt 13 is? Prompt number 13 is, where did the corn go? We've had some submissions to that. We did some the last episode at the beginning of September, and they were great. We'd love more corn stories. I mean, corn. Yeah. Um, so we still have another three months with that prompt. But in the meantime, let us give you our new prompt, number 14. I'm excited about this one. A rash of people have entered the emergency room, all of them exhibiting superpowers. Oh, come on now. You know that one's awesome. That one's going to be fun. Because there's a lot of ways you could go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... People entering the emergency room with superpowers and go 1,500 words or less and then send it to themeltingpodcast at gmail.com or you can just go to our website and check out our submissions page for instructions. Now, we have also had people, <coughs> Hugh O'Donnell. <coughs> Scott break, Roche. Scott Roche. <coughs> upcoming, Say it while coughing. Um, upcoming but, Doc Coleman. Yeah. Break, <laughs> we've had people break the rules on those prompts and instead of sticking to the 1,500 words or less – They've done full main ingredient stories based on a prompt. Mm-hmm. So that is still an option. It is. It would just be subject to those rules. Yeah. And that is? 5,000 words or less. 
which is pretty easy, you know. And even if you have a story that's not based on a prompt, you know, we need main ingredient stories as well, like the one we gave you this episode. So so we need stuff. We need stuff pretty badly, guys. But, uh, we can't keep making this podcast without content. Yeah. So we need stuff, but they need swag. They need swag. And we have swag. Our swag shop at shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcast has just gotten a whole bunch of new items added. With new artwork. New artwork. I'm talking us individually adorable. I mean, these things are cute. We've got buttons now. You know you want the grill mistress on a button that you can wear around everywhere. We've got buttons. We've got mugs. Mm -hmm. There is a grill mistress mug. Um, There is a mug that has all three of the podcast crew on it with the new art. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a brand new apron. Mm -hmm. Um, The old aprons are gone. So we've got the new ones. And we may potentially be getting some more stuff coming up because I've got time and I can go and design things. So let us know what you want. I can, I think I can do caps. I'm oh, that I'll fun. have to check into the artwork on that, but I think we can do baseball caps with our stuff on it. So that'd be nice. So yeah, let us know if you want something, or you can always just go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast and, you know, buy what's already there because that helps fund us. All right. So, so they can send us stuff, send mm-hmm. us words. They can also get sent stuff when they order swag, but yeah. what what else can they do for us? Well, they can go to patreon.com slash afgrappin and back us financially, become a patron. So they could send us stuff and then we would send them stuff. Yeah. That, that's so a, that's another way to get swag. When you're a patron, you get a couple of things. Number one, depending on how much you donate per episode, you get different levels of rewards. Everybody mm-hmm. gets a button which is not the ones that you can get on uh, on the swag shop. These are different. These are exclusive. And you can get bumper stickers, which are not on the swag shop. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets one of those. You can potentially get a different T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You can get anything from a shout-out on the show. We will record a message for you to use as your voicemail or... Whatever you want. Depending on what tier, you can get us to record something. You can um, get your own title and become a member of the podcast crew honorarily. Mm -hmm. I'm talking this is permanent. And you also get access to our yearly patron backers only episode, which this last year was a story written by our own head chef here. And it's one of my favorite stories AF has ever written. It's the only main ingredient story I've podcasted that was mine. Um, and we mm-hmm. are gearing up for our patron-only episode for this year, yep. which is going to be another one of my stories. So I mean, You know you want to get in on that. I mean, this we're talking about an author here who has how many books published now? Um, well, let's see. Deadly Studies 4 uh, just came out in September. So that's four. So and then I know four, of at least three more. Uh, yeah. And, and a, then a couple you can't talk about yet. And a couple anthologies I've had short stories in. So, uh-huh. yeah. So, I mean, so anything by this person, <clears throat> AF Grappin, kind of awesome. So you know you want to get in on that. And the last bonus you get as a patron, sometimes I post episodes a day or two early, just FYI. So you can potentially get episodes before anybody else does. Just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And... You know, the money you pledge really helps us out financially. It helps us yeah. pay for our hosting. Eventually, will let us pay contributors. So, you know, if you back us and we reach that point where we can pay people you and you send us stuff. You might get a lot of that money back you can, if you send us stuff. Yeah. So that is – that would be a huge help. So We would pay, love to be a paying market. Yeah. So patreon.com slash afgrappin. And the last thing, what's the what's the last thing they can do for us, Aaron? They can go to iTunes. iTunes, you know, where you probably got this podcast anyway. And what do they do there other than download the podcast? 
Leave us reviews. Yes. Leave us stars. 70, All the stars. 70 stars. That's my line. I know. I'm stealing it this time. 70 <clears throat> stars. 71 stars. 75. 71. 75 is just ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah. iTunes. You're ridiculous. Leave us, uh, leave us comments, reviews, stars, and it helps other people find us and potentially help us grow. And, you know, if maybe you're not a writer, but you have ideas for other segments we can do while we're waiting for content. Mm-hmm. Like boils my pot. We can do mystery meals. We can do other. But if you have an idea for something else you'd like to hear us do, if we're hurting for content, send it Mm -hmm. to us. Seriously. We don't need just writer contributions. Mm -hmm. We'd love contributions with ideas for new segments. Mm -hmm. We like to just promote creativity in general. Yeah, we focus on writing, Mm -hmm. but that's not the end all be all. And, you know, we can also sing. (laughs) Well, Theo can really sing. I'm okay. I I sound like a farting duck, but I try. It's adorable. We sing together. We we sing better together. Yeah. But we can sing. So send us a song. It would help if you had background music to send us with it. But send us songs. Send us artwork we can put on our website Mm -hmm. or that we could possibly put on swag at the Spreadshirt Shop. Yeah, we would would love to to put your stuff on there. Um, We want to promote all creativity. And I do want to say that for those of you who are authors, if you have books being released, Ping us. We would love to do an interview. We need more of yeah. our... Um, we can do Skype interviews, yeah. or if you have a recorded promo you'd like us to play, mm-hmm. send it to us. Yeah. We need more material for our little seasoning segments. It's been a while since we've had an interview because we were mm-hmm. so busy this last Balticon, and the Balticon before, I was slammed. Yep. So we need interviews. If you want to get your name out there, talk to us. All we got to do is get on Skype. I record that and put that on. I mean... It's publicity for you and content for us. And it can be as long or as short an interview as you want. If you've mm-hmm. only got five minutes to answer a few quick questions, but you want your voice and your name out there, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So what we're saying is your imagination is the limit and we can use pretty much anything, anything you send us. So, you know, what should they do, Aaron? Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>